Welcome to Level Up, a FEMA audio project for practitioners, where communities share their stories and expertise about building resilience and reducing risk from a disaster. The city of Oakland, California, has been at the forefront of environmental and racial justice for decades. It is ingrained into the very fabric of the community. In fact, racial justice work is part of its municipal code. Its climate action plan is no different. The plan is guided by principles of equity and grounded in a robust community engagement process. In this episode, we delve into how the city considered equity into the planning of its 2030 Equitable Climate Action Plan. We'll hear from Jackie Lorenzar, a policy analyst for the Department of Race Equity with the City of Oakland. Jackie grew up in Mexico City and came to the U.S. in 2001 as the first lesbian to win political asylum. Jackie has been involved in human rights and climate change work for decades, including working with indigenous communities in Mexico and South America around environmental protection. Here is Jackie speaking to our interviewer, Emily Breen, a community planner for FEMA Region 9. This episode was recorded in July 2022. So to get started, we would love to hear a little bit about what you do with the city of Oakland. I am the policy analyst for the Department of Race and Equity in Oakland. It was the first Department of Race and Equity in the country. And uh, our mission is to work with all city departments, all city staff at all levels. We have three strategic goals that really inform all the work we do with departments. The first one is to eliminate systemic causes of racial disparities in city government. Uh, then promote inclusion and full participation of all residents in the city and reduce base disparities in our communities in Oakland. Climate action plans are used to help communities reduce greenhouse gas emissions, as well as adapt to a changing climate. Each plan guides governing bodies as they address the impacts of climate change in their jurisdiction. They often address key topics such as transportation, energy transition, building optimization, materials management, and resilience to risks such as fire, flood, drought, and storms. Oakland's plan is unique, not only for the focus on equity, but also because of how the plan itself was created. More than 2,100 Oakland residents and dozens of technical experts contributed to the plan. The city worked with community organizations and consultants with strong ties to racialized communities. Together, they engage the public through community workshops, town halls, and surveys. They really wanted to make sure that folks in the community had an opportunity to voice their concerns, but also to learn about what is climate change, how it's impacting their everyday lives, and have conversations about that in ways that made it really accessible to them. All of them had heard about climate action and climate change, but they really didn't see how that was related to them, especially communities of color, because some of them said, well, you know, I've been surviving all those kinds of disasters all my life, so what is, what is this? Why, why should I be involved? And so bridging those conversations was really amazing, and the staff did a really great job doing that. The other difference was that we hired a community consultant from Oakland, Black and Latino, and they really build connections with a lot of folks that, without knowing, were actually doing 
climate action work and preparedness, uh, resilience work, where they just don't use that language. And so reframing that and empowering them to be part of the implementation of the plan was really exciting to see. That's awesome. Thank you for describing the ECAP and how it's unique. Can you share a little bit about how you were personally involved in the creation of the plan? Sure. So our department functions as kind of like an internal consultant on racial equity for all the departments. And I work very closely with staff in different departments to help them do the racial equity analysis that is needed to do this kind of work. And I also support them in thinking through what is a real inclusive engagement process. Like, what are the things that we need to keep in mind? How do we design meetings and events that are really inclusive for the folks that we are trying to reach? And then, basically, we go through every single option that came up of all those conversations and run it through a tool that we designed for the city. It's a racial equity worksheet that helps people to think in a different way and really center racial equity on whatever it is we're looking at. And then I still have monthly meetings with the environmental services staff to strategize about how to keep equity moving as we go in implementing the plan. Jackie shared that Oakland's Department of Race and Equity looks at three buckets when it creates and carries out city programs and plans. Procedural, distributive, and structural equity. First, Jackie talks about what procedural equity looks like. So when you're talking about what is procedural equity, what I tell people is basically three things. To really have equity in a procedure or a process, you need to make sure that that process is transparent, that it's fair and inclusive, and how you develop it, and in its implementation, and the policies that are within that plan or process. Then you have to ensure that all people are treated openly and fairly as you go about in that process. That includes the staff that is working on, on that very important, as well as community folks. And then you increase the civic engagement opportunities by removing barriers for the particular communities that you identify that have been uh, excluded from past processes or face barriers to participation. And then you look at what are the impacts of climate change on their particular space. And then the other piece is that when you, do, you design your plan and you have your recommendations and your actions, that you go back to them and say, hey, did we get it right or do we still need to work on it? Because they're really the experts on how these things are impacting their lives and how they are uh, overcoming them. That's why we really wanted to have this approach. So we not only have the city working on it, but also a strong community support for the implementation. So procedural equity is all about ensuring that the process used to create a plan is fair and equitable. Jackie goes on to describe the other two buckets, distributive and structural equity, and how they informed the substance and scope of the ECAP. 
The other bucket is how do you distribute your resources, right? The benefits of and burdens, how you prioritize resources for those communities. And so our theory of change for racial equity in Oakland tells departments or guides departments to prioritize those communities. So frontline communities are prioritized for resources and budget. And then there's the structure, the structural bucket. So that usually is uh, the commitments to correct past harms, to prevent future and intended consequences of climate actions, climate change, the plans that we're doing, and address the underlying structural institutional systems that cause those racial disparities. I think one of the, structurally, one of the things that really trips cities or local governments is that departments are very siloed. And so we don't work across departments to come with solutions that uh, address an issue from different perspectives. Uh, I'll give you an example related to, to the ECAP. We were, when we were having these discussions, uh, some folks said that, well, you know, if you don't have housing, it's a huge problem to do all this other stuff, talking about resiliency and food security and having a place for you to get out of the hot or the cold or the fires, the smoke. If you're houseless, you don't have access to all those things. So the community made it very clear that one of the priorities that we need to have in there was uh, looking at housing and looking at homelessness. And through a grant that we worked on with the Department of Planning, it was like four different departments, us, we were able to get funding to build housing in Oakland, that it's going to be focused for folks who are very, very low income. And so that, that really looks at how we came together and removed barriers internally to make those things happen and work together to make sure that we were really focusing on the people that most needed those resources. Oakland uses specific tools and data to guide and track equity in city programs. The city uses a tool called the Public Engagement Planning Guide. This helps city officials plan ways to engage that are as inclusive and barrier-free as possible. The guide actually takes into consideration language access issues, disabilities, and but also gender, gender expression, because, again, depending on your life experience, you might or might not think that people need childcare or that they might, if you schedule a meeting at five because you think that they got out of work and they're going to come to the meeting, but they haven't eaten. And so are you offering food? Is the design of the meeting culturally appropriate? Who are your facilitators? Is there going to be some art or something cultural that will set the tone for the conversation? I mean, the guide asks all those questions, but then it also asks you to think about who else in the city needs to be part of this conversation? What are the barriers to offer some of these things? Do we have limits on how we can spend on food? Do we have specific requirements to provide childcare? Do we have any internal policies around what languages we're going to provide? Is there support to make those translations or provide interpretation, ASL? All those things go into the guide. So that helps you just to kind of think through all the things that might apply to what you're trying to do. And so 
when I started doing this work, my whole focus was on engagement. And I saw firsthand the difference that it made when you have relationships, uh, trusting relationships with different communities of color, with immigrants, with folks that don't speak English, with low-income people, with indigenous tribes, with poor working people, and you bring their perspectives into the conversation, you can really design solutions and plans that are more close to the ground and really address real problems on the ground. And so uh, what, when you do that, then what happens is that you have buy-in from the community. And so if you need to advocate for making policy changes or other distributional things that you need to change, you have the community to support you and back you up. And so the guide really helps you to think through those things ahead of time, make a plan, and it's embedded into the racial equity analysis worksheet. So they go hand in hand, because you cannot do equity without having true community voices in the mix. Oakland has made great strides to place equity at the center of its climate action plan. The ECAP has helped set a new standard for public engagement and policy creation across the city. There's nothing more innovative than racial equity because it changes systems. It changes how you do your work. And in some significant ways, it makes justice visible for folks that in some situations have been taught not to expect that from government. And that really breaks my heart because, you know, that's the whole point of government, right? We were created to take care of people. I think when people saw the success of the ECAP, it took some of the fear away of trying new ways of doing this. And so uh, now that we're working with the planning department on the general plan, they really took it to another level. But it's really thanks to the work that was done through the ECAP. The ECAP also helped us to make some connections in the community with folks that are respected in different communities and that are seen as the people to go to for information and resources. That was really great because now we invited those folks to the conversations for the general plan. And because they work with us on the ECAP, they know that this is going to be different. They feel free to push us, right, to make us accountable. Why should local governments include frontline communities in the development of a climate action plan? And how does this improve the resilience of the community? Hmm. Well, I think for local governments, it really saves you money and time. It might be a little bit more work in the beginning, but in reality, long term, if your solutions and recommendations are really aligned with community needs, you are not going to have to go back and change your actions or go back and do later a, a community engagement to, to appease folks who are upset that uh, you're not doing what ne needed to happen. And then around resiliency, well, I think communities of color, indigenous, black, people of color communities, immigrant communities, are very resilient. And that, that's something that I heard a lot from folks in the conversations that we have. They deal with, 
with the realities of climate change every day. And so I kind of take a, a page from what they were saying to, to say that it's not only about being able to survive a disaster or, or something bad that happened to your community over and over and over again, but it's really about knowing that your government has your back. It's really about knowing that if something were to happen, somebody already thought about it and you just need to show up to a place or uh, you know what to do because that government entity took the time to go and say, hey, this is what we're going to do if there is a fire or this is what we're going to do if, uh, if there is an earthquake or you name it. And these are the things that we have for you. We have food, we have water. And then... Even if you don't speak English, even if you are in a wheelchair, you cannot see or walk or talk, that you will get those resources when you need them. And I think that's, to me, that's what's true resiliency. And I really think that we cannot have that without equity. Where would a person start? What would be the first step you would say to someone in who's really starting at the ground level in terms of how to bring more equity into their planning and, and into the implementation of that plan? If you want to get the basics, don't do it alone. This work needs to be done with others, and particularly with others that are not like you. And so... I would really encourage folks to join the Government Alliance for Racial Equity. You can go there to get the basics for how equity works and some training. And they have tools that they make available for folks. They also have a huge network. There are now hundreds of cities that are part of this work. It's become a movement. So what I would tell folks is join us. Do it. Come and help us change government so we can have a government that works for everybody. You don't need that much to do this. My department's only three people, so you just need someone that really has the experience doing this work and that can guide others on learning the skills to do it. Thank you, and that's actually a, a really wonderful segue into our final question which is, why does this work matter to you personally? I love this planet, and I love its people, and I really love being outside in nature. And since coming to this country, I've noticed the raising temperatures around the country. Uh, you know, now it snows where it didn't, it's hot where it didn't used to be hot. The lack of water in California, other states, New Mexico, Utah. The lack of support to survive climate crises or disasters. I mean, the, if the pandemic has shown us anything, is that our systems really need to change. And when I see these things, to me, those are real threats to something that is really fundamental to all of us as people. It's uh, a threat to the promise that this country made to everybody who lives here, right? And I think that to chase that promise, we really need to take care of the people who are most impacted by these conditions. And when we do that, and we take care of our planet, and then the planet can take care of us. Oakland's Equitable Climate Action Plan shows that focusing on equity may not be simple. 
However, it makes our plans and our community stronger in the long term. Using the right tools and data to better understand and engage with your community can only improve outcomes. So does focusing on the needs and voices of the most underserved groups. This episode of Level Up was produced by FEMA Region 9's Mitigation Division and Resilience Action Partners. It was made available to you through a partnership with the Georgetown Climate Center. The Georgetown Climate Center serves as a resource to state and local governments, working to cut carbon pollution and adapt to climate change impacts. We thank them for helping to strengthen our community of hazard mitigation and climate adaptation professionals. For additional information, and access to the Climate Center's Adaptation Clearinghouse with thousands of free legal, policy, and planning resources and case studies. Visit georgetownclimate.org. To learn more about the topics and programs mentioned in this episode, check out the show notes.